listening to Everyday Engineering, the City of Madison's engineering podcast where we talk about infrastructure, complex topics explained simply, from the water that flows down your drain to the rain and snow that drains into the lakes, by way the curbs and streets we design. City Engineering touches your life in so many ways, explained right now in Everyday Engineering. Having a green, lush lawn makes for a beautiful visual, right? But at what cost? Some people use fertilizers. Others use different means to make the perfect lawn cushy and vibrant. Here to talk about the lasting impacts, especially on our lakes, are Phil Gabler and Maddie Dumas. Phil is an engineer and Maddie is the Engineering Division's Greenway Vegetation Coordinator. My name is Hannah Molinitsky, City of Madison Engineering Division Public Information Officer, just guiding us through this podcast. Thank you both for being here. So we know people want that picture-perfect lawn, but we also know using fertilizers is harmful. But exactly... How harmful are they, and how does that work? Well, I would say there's a proper way and there's an improper way to apply lawn fertilizer. So, as you said, we all want a nice green lawn, um, but if we apply them carelessly or at the wrong time, uh, that that fertilizer and whatever else is in the compound can run off into our lakes. Um, there are really two things that we're looking at that can be harmful in our lawn fertilizers, and that can be the fertilizer itself, Uh, which mostly is composed of naturally occurring elements that when we get them in too high quantities, it can be harmful. Um, Things like nitrogen, which if they, you know, drain into the ground uh, water, which they do readily, um, can contaminate our groundwater. Um, And then there are also frequently uh, pesticides, herbicides specifically added to lawn fertilizer to kill off broadleaf weeds like dandelions and clover and things like that. And those can have different harmful effects uh, that we need to look out for. Then also, you know, some of the, uh, the pesticides that are in there are broad spectrum. And when you use a broad spectrum pesticide, you not only kill the target bug, but all the other beneficial bugs out there. And, you know, I like to see lightning bugs, and I like to see, you know, butterflies and things in our lawn. And The bugs have buddies. The bugs have buddies, and they're also <laughs> food for our birds. Yeah. So whether you like bugs or birds you might want to consider reducing and limiting the amount of pesticide you put in your lawn. And it does have an impact on our lakes. You know, anybody who's been um, on any of the lakes in our area has probably noticed um, they sometimes get gunky. Um, I've noticed this. Is this because of fertilizer or solely fertilizer or pesticides? Or, you know, why is that? What are the impacts on the lakes? Let's dive into that a little bit more. So... I think it comes down to your definition of fertilizer. If you look at the whole chain of lakes in Madison and what the limiting nutrient is for algae, right? Algae is composed of all sorts of different nutrients, and phosphorus is the one that would limit its growth the most. Everything else, there's more of that nutrient than algae needs to grow, and it uses up all of the phosphorus that's readily available and turns itself into algae, or turns that into algae. Um, if you look at what the source of that phosphorus is, most of the phosphorus in our lakes has come from agriculture. Right? As phosphorus accumulates in the soil, and we've had dairy operations for 150 years, and that has accumulated, the phosphorus accumulated in the soil, and occasionally that runs off as erosion and gets into the lake, and then it's in the sediment and it cycles through our lakes over and over and over again. But they're not the only culprit, right? There's also the urban portion. And 
we have people that are putting down fertilizers and were for a long time putting fertilizers with phosphorus. Mm -hmm. That can happen when you um, are trying to get your lawn started. You also have erosion. You also have phosphorus that comes in through atmospheric deposition and then also our leaves, right? So all these things are sources of phosphorus in the urban environment. And I think if you look at the split, most people can agree that 70% is coming from the agricultural community and about 30% from the urban environment. Uh, but you know, it always comes down to the details of where that exact phosphorus is coming from and how you're going to manage it. Mm-hmm. And but if you lawn know, fertilizers can play a role in this. If you want to know uh, how much of your uh, area runoff is coming from just your neighborhood, you can look at your local retention pond. And if there's a lot of algae growth, it's probably mostly from lawn fertilizer in your neighborhood, less so agricultural runoff, because it will be the immediate watershed of your neighborhood that's contributing to that retention pond. Wow. And same with uh, Lake Wingra. Lake Wingra has almost, I think there is no agriculture left in that watershed. It's all urbanized. So it's either park, natural area, or urbanized area answering a lot of questions in my mind because I thought, you know, okay, if someone's listening to this, they're thinking, where's the phosphorus coming from? You know, and so you answered all of that. Um, We also touched on, you know, since we're on phosphorus, there's some restrictions in Dane County, correct? Yeah, so you you can't buy uh, fertilizer, lawn fertilizer, that contains phosphorus in Dane County. If you go and buy it, it's only going to have the nitrogen and potassium component, um, which based on our soil tests, almost, you know, most lawns only need that. Now there's a couple of exceptions here. If you are starting a new lawn, uh, someone can put down some phosphorus because that's important for root growth. And then if you can show with a soil test that your soil is so low in phosphorus that it needs it to have the plant grow, then you can also have an exception and buy that. Hmm. Why do people keep doing this? I mean, I know we want green lawns, but you know, why, why, why do we keep doing this or using these sort of things and they harm our environment? I guess, what are you hearing? And I guess, what are we doing to educate people on this? Well, <laughs> is that a loaded question? Maybe it's a, a more complicated yeah. question than, than um, it seems. But I think that this is, this is, this is why we have this podcast, is so we can explain this. Absolutely. And I think most people um, aren't going to the store to pick out their fertilizer intending to harm our lakes. Not at all. I think a lot of what we're doing is just habit. Um, and so, as you said, education is a big component of changing these behaviors. Um, but there are definitely things that we can do um, to uh, improve the way that we fertilize. As I said, uh, timing is a big component. Um, if you apply your fertilizer right before rain, uh, that's not going to be great because we know that the rain is going to wash it off down into our stormwater system. Uh, if you apply on a windy day, we know things can kind of blow around a little bit. Um, so there are, there are better and worse ways that we can think about this. Um, if you have a lawn company, uh, you may have less control over timing because your, your lawn company is going to be applying um, on a set schedule. There, there may be other houses in the neighborhood they need to get to. Um, so think about all these things as you uh, plan what kind of lawn care regimen you want. That is, those are good points. Timing is really important. You don't want it to run, or, you know, wash away or anything like that. What can people do instead of using fertilizers? What are some other options? 
First and foremost, I would say consider replacing part of your lawn with a native planting. Um, we talk a lot about rain gardens here at Engineering. You could certainly install a rain garden, but even just planting a strip of native plantings, um, you know, ideally right next to the sidewalk or around your driveway to kind of catch runoff from your sloped lawn uh, is, is great. It benefits, you know, reduces the amount of lawn that you have to mow and the amount of fertilizer you have to apply, and it also provides food for our pollinators. Um, you could also consider if you're in a new housing development where they haven't yet applied um, or they haven't yet uh, put down a lawn, you could think about using a, a no or low mow lawn seed mix, which is um, a, a taller growing fescue that will flop over and give you kind of a wind tousled look for your lawn that you don't you don't have to mow or you could mow just once every few months. Oh, that sounds pretty nice. Yeah. Less mowing, winning in my book. Yeah. I think something else people can do is uh, compost is a great addition. So you can actually just rake uh, maybe what an inch of compost if you put it onto your lawn, and it will be this natural fertilizer, right? Plants are great at recycling nutrients, and this is compost is just a whole bunch of recycled nutrients. Now you can overdo it, and you could create additional phosphorus runoff because there's phosphorus in that compost, but it also helps to build your soil structure so your soil will drain better which might help your grass grow that's possible we can make our soil drain better by just putting compost right on top the carbon oh. kind of goes into the soil and it helps the root growth and you know it's pretty magical oh. <laughs> i was gonna say start paying attention to your soil a little bit more give it a little love on that that's awesome um and it helps and it works so what can people do to minimize? If people feel like, you know, they absolutely need their fertilizer, they need their, you know, different things um, to make their lawn green, is there a way to minimize? Yeah, absolutely. So again, looking at the timing component again, don't apply right before it rains. You know, if you can try to block off uh, your, your water, if you're watering your lawn and it's running directly into the downspout, maybe you could try and block off that source. Um, think about using a soaker sprinkler after you apply rather than just a, 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 a big, heavy rain-style sprinkler that's going to wash everything straight down into the street. What is a soaker sprinkler if people aren't familiar and they're listening? Yeah, it's more of a, a lighter rain. It can spray in all directions, um, and it can apply small droplets of water over a longer period of time. Oh, okay. um, You'd want to think about timing for that as well, usually early morning or later in the evening when it's cooler so it doesn't evaporate right away. It's better for watering. Um, Watering is kind of an art. I feel like people yeah. pay a lot of attention to when their sprinkler systems are on, to when they, you know, they make sure everything is... Uh, people care about their lawns. Lawn care is an art. <laughs> and I think that's one component you asked earlier. Why do we keep doing this? Well, there's societal pressure as well. Like everybody wants their lawn to fit into their neighborhood. And um, there's there's a lot of people that get really into it. So... <laughs> Uh, take my dad, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> Another way you can apply fertilizer is to apply it using um, a soil aerator or a core, which can apply the fertilizer uh, lower down into the soil. So rather than putting it directly on top of the lawn, it's, it's into the lawn. Um, as Phil said, I think using your grass clippings or using a mulching lawnmower is a really great option rather than removing it from the site. Just leave it on your lawn uh, and sweep any clippings that blow into the street or the sidewalk back up into your lawn. And, and same with fertilizer, right? If you're putting down fertilizer and you go past your lawn onto your sidewalk by accident or just because it's easier, when you're done, sweep that up. 
right? That fertilizer is not helping your concrete grow better. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. And all that, that fertilizer is going to drain directly into the storm system and into the lakes. Everybody has lakefront property, whether they know it or not. The way we've designed this system, once it hits a curb line, it is going into the lake. It might get treated with a detention basin along the way, but you essentially have lakefront property for anything that can dissolve. That's a different way of thinking about it. It eventually gets there anyway. Right. Yes. And I think people would think twice about running their fertilizer spreader up into the water, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't take it off your yard and go into the lake mm -hmm. well, for obvious reasons of, you know, but yeah. also it, for <laughs> wanting to protect the lake. I think that you know a big a big takeaway of all of this. I, there's there there might there may be people listening that you know really just want their their lawn green and they don't they don't care how it impacts the environment. But there's also you know people that do care about the environment and really want to minimize and do the do the extra work. And then there's also a portion of our community that probably is using it and just doesn't know how it's impacting. So hopefully they're listening to this podcast, sharing it with friends. Um, speaking of friends, we said bugs have buddies uh, earlier in this podcast episode. Uh, let's talk about how this impacts the bugs, the buddies, the uh, the pollinators. Let's let's go through that. Well, lawn and pollinators are not best friends. Speaking of friends, uh, lawns really don't provide much in the way of habitat at all for our pollinators. Um, that said, if you if you get things like clovers and dandelions growing in your lawn and you can tolerate them to a certain extent and let them flower for a couple days, we know that those are actually significant sources of nectar for urban pollinators. Um, so you know maybe let your clover bloom for a couple days before you mow it off. Um, but in general, the best thing we can do for our pollinators is try and minimize the amount of lawn that we have and increase the amount of uh, flowers that we have in our yard, which is aesthetically pleasing and serves lots of other purposes like water uptake as well. Um, if you can plant native plants, that's even better because our pollinators are adapted to be able to absorb the maximum amount of nectar and use those plants in the best way. Um, and as always, I just want to put in a plug for milkweed here. Uh, milkweed, milkweed, milkweed. It's so great for our monarchs, and we need lots more of it. So please plant it in your yard if you can. And if you want to target, right? So how much of your lawn should you put into natives? Um, there's been some pretty good research uh, to support that we are in right on the edge of a mass extinction on the planet, right? And uh, E.O. Wilson, who's a pretty prominent ecologist, um, he suggested that we should set aside 50% of the globe, say no touch for humans, mm -hmm. right? That is a pretty extreme uh, a take for a lot of people, yes. like, well, we already use more than 50%, where are people going to relocate, right? But if you look at your lawn, you can take 50% of your lawn and you can incorporate natives into that garden and you can have... A space that feels very nice, provides a lot of habitat, and that might be a way to hit that 50% goal and live in it if we take care of our lawns in a specific way. So just something to consider. I like that though, and I think that, you know, if anyone's listening to this, you, you probably do want to take care of your lawn in a considerable way, thinking of the environment. Um, what sort of resources, if you know someone's done listening to this podcast episode, you know where do they click first if they're trying to be responsible about this? 
Xerxes Society is all about protecting our pollinators, so I'd check out their website because they'll have lots of plant recommendations and how-tos for getting a, a pollinator planted, planting started. And as far as, you know, overall lawn care, right, I have to admit, I am not a lawn person, right? <laughs> I go for the hard knocks lawn, mm-hmm. right? What does if that mean? <laughs> I do nothing. I don't water. I don't put down fertilizer. I don't put down any herbicides. Mm-hmm. I will occasionally weed out the some of the broadleaf weeds that are killing large portions of the grass. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. I mow. I stay within the city of Madison <laughs> ordinances. Yes. But I know that's not for everybody. Sure. But if it is, you have an ally here at the engineering department if it's if that's how you like to maintain your lawn. <laughs> I love that. Last plug, if someone's listening, we still want a green lush lawn. We don't want the fertilizer. Is that possible? If so, how? I mean... Is it possible? I think it's possible. I think it's, as Phil said, there's a certain amount of tolerance that has to go with the, <laughs> with the complete lack of uh, lawn applications. Um, but I'm, I'm with Phil. I also don't apply anything to my lawn. My next-door neighbor is a landscaper, and she aerates our lawn once in the fall, which kind of helps to regenerate root, root growth and um, dethatch the lawn. Mm-hmm. We rake it really well in the spring to get rid of all of the dead, dead growth from over winter, and I go out and hand dig dandelions. I'm that crazy person, so <laughs> <laughs> there are things you can do. Um, there are also such things as organic fertilizers, which will um, add those essential nutrients back to your lawn, but it will be in a more slow-releasing way so it doesn't uh, run off so quickly. Um, and then simply using a mulching lawnmower and, and composting material back onto your lawn is a really great way to keep your lawn uh, full of nutrients and healthy, but without having to add a lot of additional stuff. All good points. All good points. We also have a mulch podcast episode. You should check it out if you're listening to this um, and listen to that one. Mulching, lawnmowers and all. Uh, all of that and within you know 20 minutes of your day. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for the support for all of our listeners that are lawn people who want that green lush lawn and they also um, want to be thoughtful to our environment. So good luck to all of you that are listening. Uh, if you have any more questions, if you're still starting your journey of your green lush lawn or, or what have you, uh, just click over to our Facebook page, Madison Engineering Facebook page um, or Twitter. Um, we're all over the place because we're here for you as a resource every day in engineering. Mm-hmm.